Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort. Whoa, and this episode is brought to you by Factor. Yes, a beloved and delicious sponsor. I am also beloved and delicious. I'm Simone de Rochefort. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would not say that to you because, you know, it would be weird, but it's probably true. As colleagues, technically, you're not <laughs> supposed to say that to me, but as podcast co-hosts, yes. you can say whatever you want. All right. All right. <laughs> I, it got weird last week because we talked about some goat touching and, you know, there it is. I am joined this week by my <laughs> a beloved co-host, longtime co-host, Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. And delicious. You and delicious. delicious. Well, yes. who might have a bone to pick with because every time I leave, every time I leave, I will at some point log on to Twitter on my beautiful vacation and I see, let's say, the name of an episode of Rocket that I'm not on. And I'll see people talking in tweets about... The description of the episode being weird in some way. And I realize (laughs) that you and Christina have gone rogue. You are out of control. You are are, are naming things. You're you're, you're speaking of my illegal sheep touching. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a reason you don't, you just seize the power yourself and name the show and do the description without yeah. us because this is what the outcome would be each and every single week if you didn't. This so, is true. You know, and, it's it's learn a lesson to not miss a week. Like, stay home for the rest of your darn life. Darn right. <laughs> and if I if I were smart, I what I would do is log on, like, early Thursday morning or Wednesday night or late Wednesday night and just change the show title and description myself just do a little preemptive work, but I don't do that because I'm lazy and also it's very funny. <laughs> it's been very funny both times y'all have gone rogue. Christina is uh, hosting Build this week. Build is is now over. Uh, she is free, but my goodness, she has been working like a little busy bee. So Brianna and I are flying solo and we have a fun show for you. To, we're going to be talking a bit about Build Um since Christina isn't here to do it. And we'll also be covering uh, some breaking news in the realm of Twitter and announcements, not about the platform, but on the platform. Interesting. To wrap things up, we'll be talking about Sony's PlayStation Showcase, the exciting games that were revealed there. And as a uh, booster, if you are a subscriber to our show, if you've gone to Relay.fm slash membership and learned how you can support our show directly, get an ad-free version and a bonus segment every week, uh, you are going to hear some YouTuber drama. (laughs) Our favorite. It's really good drama this week because, you know, this person uh, went after someone that they shouldn't have, and boy, did it blow up in their face. Uh, that's that's the best. Uh, it's a very well-deserved comeuppance, in my estimation. Real Looney Tunes hours out here. Yes. But first, we are going to talk about build, so let's get into the meat of it. So this was a very... Uh, AI heavy Microsoft build a lot of discussion of how Copilot, uh, Microsoft's AI assistant, is evolving and integrating into Windows 11, as well as just the deepening relationship between Microsoft and ChatGPT uh, when it comes to Bing. I'm going to make a brief pause here to mention that 
I did just arrive back from Ireland today. So it, it occurred to me as I was talking, I was like, man, I'm both wired and tired at the same time. I should tell people that I have crazy jet lag. Um, so that's where I'm coming from with this. Anyway, Microsoft's Copilot Virtual Assistant is coming to Windows 11 with increased functionality. Like I said, uh, it is going to live in the taskbar and appear in a side pane when activated where it can do a whole range of things uh, from changing the computer settings to uh, responding to your queries about like how best to use the computer itself. Copilot is also in apps like Edge, the Office Suite, and GitHub. So one of the examples they showed just, just about interacting with the OS via Copilot was like, hey, I'm about to do some coding. Like, how can I best prepare myself for this? Uh, that's not the phrasing they used. But anyway, uh, and Copilot was like, well, listen, you could turn on dark mode. Um, you should turn on focus mode. Uh, let me, do you want me to snap your windows together so that you have like your terminal and all your coding panes lined up? Uh, and also here, here's a coding uh, focus playlist on Spotify. Um, so some pretty, pretty expansive integration into the OS. I know there's a few other there's a few other bullet points to get through here, but Bree, let's pause for a second and say, do you have any thoughts about what we were initially shown with Copilot and uh, Microsoft's OS Windows 11? That's such a great question. So I just want to, uh, first of all, I just want to uh, um, say we're not going to be able to cover this as well as Christina does. She literally led the event. She had some gorgeous looks while she was doing it. So bravo. We're going to unpack all of that in more detail uh, next week. But for non-Microsoft employees like Simone and I, <laughs> are, uh, we will give you our, our best uh, estimation of this. So Copilot, if you don't know, um, is a really breakthrough tool that Microsoft has done. Um, think of it as like predictive uh, typing, but for coding. Um, you know, it goes through and as you're writing code, it looks for errors, it proposes things. It's it's a really, really robust tool. Um, some of the ethics around it, I think we could have a discussion about and how they source some of this code. I mean, a lot of it does come from you know, Stack Overflow and sources like that, which are all public, but um, it, it's overwhelmingly a really, really good tool. Um, what I think is really interesting is they've brought this to the entire Microsoft suite now. Um, and they gave a, a really interesting example, and I want to tell a quick story about it, if I can, Simone. Yeah. Uh, so my husband works in law, right? Um, and I showed him the clip from the Microsoft press conference uh, that where they were kind of showing this off. So they give an example of working in Microsoft Word to uh, basically prepare a legal document. And then on the side, they are using Copilot uh, with links to Westlaw. And uh, what was the other one that they were doing? I, I forget. Gosh, uh, it was Westlaw and uh, Practical Law. Um, so these are two very expensive plugins that you do uh, like when you're a lawyer. So he goes through and he shows the example of wanting some language, uh, basically uh, a clause added about liability. Um. And uh, basically uh, practical law looks through all its references, inserts this in there. Then he uh, looks up and consults the contract as it's written on practical law to make sure it's going to apply to California. Mm. Um, it gives him a sourced article on that. And then he asks for a summary change of the documents. Um, you know, when my husband uh, writes these patent applications, he's very often dealing with like 
Word documents in very legal language that are 100, 200 pages long, right? Yeah. So a tool like this um, that could you know summarize changes made, you could really, really see it going well. Um, but he told me a story about how he had uh, he and a coworker had started just experimenting with this kind of technology to see if it was useful. And yeah, you know, the conclusion he came to is that for the 80% that it does, it's super, super, super useful. Mm-hmm. Like great stuff would save lots of time. But the 20% it 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 doesn't do well is so bad it could literally cause him to lose his patent uh patent bar license. Ooh. So um so I don't want to be cynical about this. Like clearly I think that this has applications, but I think that from what we've seen about chat GPT sourcing, uh, uh, things I know about on the web with very low stakes like pinball scores, I think if you're expecting this to uh, work on legal contracts for you, I don't think there's any point where you're not going to need a human to go through this and check it all by hand and really look into those sources. And mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Tesla autopilot situation. I don't know if you've ever driven a car with autopilot, Simone, but I what <laughs> I find when I do it is it's a more stressful experience than driving. Mm. because you're having to babysit the autopilot the entire time to make sure it's not going to mess up, right? So if, like, somebody's turning in, you're, like, looking at that car, and you're going, oh, I hope it's going to catch it. I hope (laughs) it's going to detect that. Am I going to have to to grab that steering wheel? And it's, like, crazy stressful. So I can see, like, using co-pilot in a professional circumstance I, I don't want to be cynical about this, but I, I think I think it's going to be very stressful. And I'm not, I think it's only a matter of time before we're going to have some very high profile um, mistakes that Slip are made ups. that ends up costing people their jobs. Um, does that yeah, make that, sense to you? Is that too cynical, do you no, think? No, I, I totally agree. And that, that's kind of been my feeling about a lot of this like from the discussions about like college students cheating up through say using this to write a patent application for example is that the people who do it and then don't check their work are going to get caught right (laughs) and obviously for a patent application that wouldn't necessarily like it's not getting caught it's you know just doing sloppy work the college students who are using it to like cheat are getting caught. Um, but the, I think the point of all of these tools and as we've discussed in, in past shows is like, there is the problem is not necessarily the tool. It's the lack of personal responsibility and people who will simply use it as a one and done thing. So the tool itself isn't evil. Um, on my to kind of add to that story, your uh, anecdote about uh, Frank's uh, patent applications made me think because uh, I was on vacation with a couple people who are involved in writing grants for things, and my stepdad mentioned like you know when you have a a military a grant that you're writing, you need to get every single little detail right, and there's a huge requirement, and if you make a mistake on one thing 
the military will be like, nope, we're throwing that right out. We're not even going to read the rest of it because of this, you know, this small, small thing that was uh, not in line with our requirements for the application. I um, mean, that can make a right. huge difference for a company who's applying to things like that. So, like, I could see the utility exactly of it. Patents are exactly the same way. But, Patents are yeah. exactly the same way. Um, yeah. You always need an expert uh, human um, to check these things. What, what One of the interesting things that all, this demo also made me think about to move away from the, like, using it to write and checking over for errors was the naturalistic way of interacting with an OS Again, having just come back from a family vacation where I interacted with people who are somewhat older than me and watched them trying to do things on their phones. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I guess when I was watching, you know, the clips of Build and this way of interacting with like, can, can you tell me how to like, how should I focus on my computer? Do you want me to turn on dark mode? Things like that. It made me wonder if we've kind of got a bell curve situation in terms of less technically skilled people being able to use uh, use computers, because I think we've, we've gone from a situation where computers are pretty simple uh, to one where there's a lot of things you can do that are, you know, tactile and not necessarily explained very clearly when you open it up, like you kind of learn as you go. I wonder if this will bring us back around again to a place where because Theoretically, they want Microsoft wants people to be com communicating with the computer with naturalistic speech. Will it come back around to a place where it will be easier for less experienced people, people who are less experienced technically to use the computer? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. Um, yeah, it, it's. <sighs> I really, I really worry that this is going to be overwhelming for a lot of people. And yeah. I think it taps into skills that we humans are not really good at, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the thing that's going to make you good at this particular, um, the thing that's going to help you avoid the, uh, the, the worst case scenario in this is going to be the thing that keeps ruining our elections, which is, you know, like people <laughs> see something on Facebook and they automatically believe it and they don't check the sources, right? Yep. I mean, do you really think it's going to be a more viable workflow for a lot of people to like type a question into a computer and then really go and check the sources? Yeah, I couldn't help but, you know, realize as they were talking about this, they kept using, uh, yeah, euphemisms like, oh, we've got to make sure all of our sourcing is very, you know, very grounded. It's got to be very grounded sourcing. And I'm just like, I am thinking about it. Yeah, I get it. But oh, I don't know. I'm super skeptical. I think in, in this example, I'm thinking less about like the search integration mm -hmm. and more about just like the the mere act of navigating a computer and like how to get it to perform the way that you want, like how to get the windows to look the way that you want, how to find things on the computer, how to use programs. Cause that's one of the mm -hmm. things that it's supposed to be able to do is like, tell you like, Hey, how do I do this on my computer? Um, right. but you have brought up, uh, you've brought up, uh, chat GPT and the search integration, which is, as you pointed out, one of the examples that they showed was, uh, Bing is now, or will is yeah, is now chat GPT's default search engine. Um, with responses and citations drawn from Microsoft's own Bing. 
uh, and there's interoperability between the two programs. So they showed not just um, being in ChatGPT and asking it like, hey, what is asking it a question and having it pull from Bing and have links, clickable links in the ChatGPT response, but also as you're bopping around on Bing, um, using a Zillow plugin to search for houses with certain criteria in a certain area, or uh, yeah. pull using uh, ChatGPT to pull a recipe list from a blog, and then using a plugin to put those ingredients automatically in an Instacart shopping cart. So that kind of integration as well, both search and uh, and pulling information from websites. See, and I Which was, was thinking through that Zillow, the Zillow example too that they're giving, and it's it's like, look, of course, I hated this that sounds one. great in theory. I hated it too for so many reasons. So, like when yeah. I'm looking for a uh, when I'm looking through Porsche listings, something I do pretty uh, obsessively, I cannot tell you how many times something is mischaracterized in a computer. Like mm -hmm. they will like put transmissions that don't exist for certain years. And you really learn to be super skeptical of the way that these things are uh, classified in databases. I can only imagine just how much more like screwed up it's going to be on Zillow, which by the way, is not the most accurate. Like there's a reason uh, MLS listings are more accurate and are used by a lot of real estate people, right? Mm -hmm. Like Zillow, mm -hmm. you can go into Zillow and look at my address and get an estimate on my house. I can tell you it's off by like a hundred thousand dollars. right? Wow, wow, so wow. it's like estimating like all this stuff. And it's, 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 it's like you're you're counting on a human to enter it in there. And again, like if you're not having that human eye to go through it with experience to kind of judge this stuff, yes or no. Um, I mean, do, listener, don't take my word for it. Take something you really know. Go to the Bing search engine right now. Let's say you know a lot about uh, civic. You're, you're a stance boy with civics, right? Yeah. And you're looking for a certain uh, civic model. Like, go in there. Start asking it to find civics in your area. Put in the criteria and look at what you get back because it's not great right now. Yeah, the idea. And it, again, like, I see the vision. I see the dream where one day a human being doesn't have to slog through a, a log of houses to find, to, to look at, to like sort through the cruft of the real estate. I would, like, I, I want to be involved in the process of living my life. <laughs> I want to be involved in looking at the choices that I have when it comes to looking for a house. And if I, if I give, with all due respect to the tool as it exists and what it can do, which is incredibly impressive, if I gave my criteria to the my ChatGPT fueled Zillow plugin and told him told it like find me houses with these specifications in this area in this price range, which is what they're asking it to do, and it gave me back my like oh here are your three listings that are perfect, I'd be like. That I kind of want to see more. <laughs> right, I don't know. I right. just it doesn't feel like it wouldn't feel like I had like it. I, I don't trust that it's thorough unless I'm doing it myself. And maybe this is something that maybe is this the mentality that we're trying to change with these tools? I don't know that it's necessarily something that needs to be changed. What we have, which is a problem, which this does highlight, is just a huge amount of information that we're exposed to every day. And yeah. that we have to 
manage and sort through. And that is difficult. That is difficult. But I don't know that for me, this is the tool that I would feel comfortable with, like fully committing to. Yeah, um, I fully agree. And just one more quick example of something they were talking about from this. Um, So they were talking about um, an example of looking up a recipe and then going over and clicking on the, uh, the basically Instacart and having all the ingredients from that recipe automatically uploaded and put in your cart and delivered to your house. And look, this is a great idea, but what really gives me a lot of pause about this is you're moving to a future where it's just one click, you're not even looking at the prices. And Mm. I mean, there's a lot of um, ability for abuse there as far as predatory pricing. There was a, Mm. um, I heard um, rumors of a lawsuit today about DoorDash where uh, they've been charging people on iOS significantly more than they do people on Android just because iOS people are are better off, right? Really? Us? They're charging us more? (laughs) That's the allegation. I don't know if it has legs. Oh my goodness. Um, But it's a really good example of, you know, basically computers being used to adjust prices without any input from people. Yeah, um, we're already at such a disadvantage when it comes to the supply demand curve. Like it used to be in a rational market, they just put the price up until people like say, "Eh, I'm out," uh, and then like the price fell. With large data, they're able to get um, basically all of us are paying different prices for things. So, mm-hmm. um, I this kind of feature is obviously inevitable, and I think Microsoft can do it. I just think it's going to unfortunately be used to usher in uh, our technology uh, hellscape uh, dystopia even faster than it has been already in my estimation. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it, it is, it is, I, I, as we've said before in the show, and this will be my kind of wrap up thought, like it's not there yet, but it is a concrete future. It is a thing that is happening in the way that say VR didn't quite happen. Um, or different different from the way that VR didn't quite happen, different from the way that, like, NFTs did not quite happen. This feels different to me. It feels more concrete. Um, but there are a lot of things that I think are just, that just feel like they have not been round, the corners have not been rounded out yet. And that's my, <laughs> that's my thought. That's such a polite way to put it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm very white now i've just been in the uk you know <laughs> no they're the rudest people in the world no they're lovely um this episode of rocket is brought to you by factor springs here and who doesn't want wholesome and convenient meals to energize you for warmer more active days and keep you on track reaching your goals factor is america's number one ready to eat meal kit and can help you fuel up fast with ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door you'll save time eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. If you're too busy to cook this May, and I have been, you can (laughs) skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And then get back outside to soak up that warm weather or get back to your computer and keep doing your job. (laughs) Factor offer delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, including keto, 
calorie smart, which are around, the meals are around uh, or less than 550 calories per serving. They've got vegan and veggie meals, which uh, give you the option to add a protein to selected meals. And also protein plus, which gives you 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And because these meals are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has everything you need with more then 34 weekly options. There's always something new to try at Factor. Plus, you can choose from more than 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon egg and breakfast skillet, plus cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. And if you're looking to pack in more protein, you can add on filling options like a throw a salmon filet on there or chicken wings. Throw Add them onto your Factor meal. Factor meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery. Two minutes, like I said. Plus, it's more budget-friendly than takeout. And you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice because Factor offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Uh, It was... I think a month ago now that I got my beautiful box of factor meals. Don't worry. I don't still have them because I ate them. Um, <laughs> Brie, I think you were gone for the episode where Christina and I talked about this, but I had uh, my favorite was the first one I tried actually, which is the jalapeno and lime cheddar chicken, uh, which was so creamy and good and just had like a good amount of sauce and a good little kick to it. And it was delicious. And I dream of it, but I also had a really good pork chop and I'm scrolling through the list of factor meals for this week, trying to find the specific pork chop I had. I think that it is not there at the moment, but there are many other things, including different kinds of pork chop. They've got it. Well, they've got a green peppercorn pork tenderloin, which sounds fantastic. They've got a creamy pesto pork chop with spinach, cauliflower, rice, and roasted green beans which looks very good, and I would like it. I would like <laughs> to have it. Uh, and the meals really were just like, it, it was a good week for me because I think it, was, it wasn't the week right before I left for Ireland, but it was around the time, and I had like run out of my meals that I, you know, cooked myself, my grocery store meals, and I was like, this could not be better timing. I'm just going to do my week with these and I had such a delicious time oh. carrying my little factor smoothie to work and my microwave meal that I just tossed in there. I also put a couple of them in the oven just because, like, I am not that pressed for time. And I like eating things in the oven sometimes. And those were also – it was delicious both ways. I think it – I didn't, like, taste any, like, noticeable quality drop from the microwave versus the oven. Like, they were both delicious. So that's my that's my little spiel. This may – Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com rocket50 and use code rocket50 to get 50% off your first box. That is code rocket50 at factormeals.com rocket50 to get 50% off your first box. Uh, that's Factor Meals with an S dot com slash Rocket 50. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
Yeah, I'm just going to say we had HelloFresh as a sponsor uh, many years ago, and I still use them. And this factor thing, I don't know. It's like I can only cook, like I generally get like five meals a week to cook, right? And then dinner, you know, leftovers. That There's still a bit of DoorDash in there. So I'm That's the difference. Yeah, it's the difference this. between like yeah. cooking a thing and microwaving a thing are two very different activities. And 100%. sometimes you only have time for the latter one. Well, or you're just Don't tired. I know you know, yeah. like we work too much. So <laughs> That too. That too. <laughs> Speaking of being tired, Ron DeSantis has oh announced a bid for the presidency oh in a Twitter space this Wednesday, which is where we come in, talking about Twitter. And a lot went wrong. So the initial space uh, was hosted by Elon Musk himself, meant to be moderated by David Sachs. Uh, and it had, uh, I think, 600,000 people, which Sachs later called the biggest room ever held on social media, which it is a lie. Yep. Um, but as soon as Sachs started to speak, Terrible, terrible sounds filled the space of audio feedback echoing, which is what we as podcasters strive for audio not to sound like. <laughs> Eventually, Saxon and DeSantis, after like entering and leaving several times, left uh, and hosted a space on Sachs Twitter or Saks hosted a space on his account rather than being in Elon's space um, where DeSantis was able to read his announcement uh, among other things, he, in response to a question about censorship, said he would sign a quote-unquote digital bill of rights banning the state and federal governments from quote-unquote colluding with social media companies. I don't know what that means, but it actually sounds great because it kind of sounds like it means the FBI wouldn't be able to like <laughs> steal my data. Uh, but whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, also, according to my roommate, I need to fact check this. She told me that uh, his merch says Make America Florida again, which I do think is what? arguably funny. I'm going to fact check that right now while we talk about what the actual story here is, which is a political candidate. Uh, uh, yeah, a political candidate using Elon Musk's uh broken developer poor twitter and by developer poor i don't mean bad developers i mean they don't have enough of them uh and breaking twitter in an attempt to announce uh smoothly a presidential bid in 2023 were you live for this simone no i was not the first i heard of it was when aaron told me Oh, my God. It was such a disaster. Okay, so first of all, dear listener, I just want to say we're not going to go after Ron DeSantis here. If you want that content, go hit my Twitter. Uh, We're going to keep this apolitical here. I might, but go on. uh, Okay, (laughs) but but just as a, a, you know, I'm sorry you got to beat me, but this was an absolute Simone, there was reporting that came out immediately afterwards, and you work in the game industry press, so just hold on to your chair, because it's going to blow your damn mind. Simone, (gasps) dear Simone, they didn't even do a load test for this. They just assumed it was all going to work and did no planning whatsoever and just showed up. Why'd they do that? How? Why'd they do that? Anyone that's ever played an MMO could have told you, 
<laughs> yes. and, they, and they fired half their staff and like most of their staff what do you say like 90% of their staff and they just expect this whole thing to just go along swimmingly they're so dumb Musk is such a liar at being some tech visionary he doesn't check anything he doesn't think about anything it is laughable he's so careless um, it is it is baffling <laughs> I guess, yeah, like, coming. what's baffling to me, like, setting aside Musk and DeSantis as figures, surely someone involved on the team should have thought this through? I mean, I'm sure that there is, as is in every case like this. There is a tech person on Ron DeSantis' team who is crying right now, having been ignored in uh, for probably days while saying wait i'm not sure if this is going to go well (laughs) and there's also the same person at twitter but that's more understandable because it seems like it's kind of musk's mo to ignore uh advice from people see again him firing half of the staff um and creating a website that just kind of breaks frequently um, but yeah, sh- surely as a political candidate, Ron DeSantis should be invested in making sure that he doesn't embarrass himself like this. Um, that being said, I can't complain about it because bad things sometimes happen to bad people. Um, <laughs> You're and not that's gonna fine. vote for Meatball Ron. Not going to vote for Meatball Ron. I'm trying to find this merch, but I don't want to go to his official website. Uh, yeah. So I have hit a, I've hit a wall there. It's Understood. the great American comeback stars today as the tagline. Anyway, setting the merch aside because we're talking about the tech. So I want to talk about how David Sachs and Elon Musk embarrassed Ron DeSantis. And that's hard to and do. And then lied. And, and then lied. But so it starts off in Ron. So you're, I'm not even talking. The whole first Twitter space, just call that a scratch. It was, what, 15, 20 minutes of awkward, not being able to get it to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 oh, like, God. it's sounding like that. Oh. Uh, so we're not, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about when they went to David Sachs' um, uh, Twitter and uh, tried to do the space there. Simone, it was so embarrassing because, and I'm sorry this is a crude metaphor, but I don't have any better way to put it. The first part of it, while they're sitting there with Ron DeSantis, totally mute, is a contest between these two men about how amazing Twitter is and how smart and, and awesome it is that they're doing on Twitter. And they're just sitting there and congratulating themselves so awkwardly and weirdly and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and you're like oh my god these are this is what happens with billionaires they are surrounded with people all day long to the point they like lose any sense of like 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 not reality of reality or people not just telling them how brilliant they are. Like this is a social disorder that is like unfurling before us. Okay. So then Ron DeSantis reads his speech. And again, I'm not going to critique the political content of it, but as a, as, as a, just a delivery, a performance by a professional politician, 
It is like this. It is like he's reading from a script and going through all of his talking points that you've heard over and over and over again. This thing that was billed is like this free-flowing discussion, like uh, of people being able to come in and ask questions is and then a speech, and then it goes into Elon and Sachs like plugging Dogecoin. It oh, was come on. So, no, you can't. It was so embarrassing, Simone. I'm sitting there, and like my lifespan is shortening from the cringe. It was so bad. I want just thinking about that beginning that you've described to me encapsulates so many problems with whatever mindset is happening there, because there there are a lot of real issues that we have here in this country and that we're going to be talking about in the election, not we on this show, but we as in the people uh, in this upcoming election year. And the fact that somehow, I mean, I guess they are speaking to their audience in this case, their audience is on Twitter. It's Elon Musk's fans who think he's quote unquote saving Twitter. The idea that the existence of Twitter and the importance of the the maintained importance of Twitter as the town square of America should be an issue in this election matters at all materially in this election is so detached from reality. I cannot imagine that time being worse spent than yeah. praising Twitter for being able to host an announcement like this. And apparently it freaking can't host an announcement like this because at the Verge article I, I did love pointed out like in the same graph where they're like, yeah, and 600,000 people were in the space that broke because there were too many people in it and it fell apart. 12 million were in Fortnite for Marshmallow's concert. Right. 12 million. And that, yeah. The like, biggest room ever held. AOC was clapping back at him on Twitter where David Sachs is like, this is the biggest thing ever. And she's like, uh, when I played Among Us, uh, that was bigger. And then Hassan is all like, yeah, we should do that. We should run that again. And she's like, I'm down. <laughs> so, Amazing. Good. So it's like, Argh. Yeah, it just it just does not bode well. But I mean, Twitter, it, it, it does fit with Musk's, I guess, vision for Twitter. It coheres to me because this is what he's wanted, right, is to have the town square where he could be a little king um, and to, like, give it that relevance that it's always had that it has lost by, you know, I think gradually becoming less sexy as a platform, but then also in the last few months very rapidly because people see it as unstable and like no longer a place where you, it's not the place where you do get like, Oh, this celebrity just tweeted an unfiltered thought or, Oh, I have access to this author and now they're replying to me. Um, wild how that is. Cause that people don't post that unguardedly anymore. Right. Uh, and also, the platform itself is much, much worse than it used to be to to use. So I don't know. I, I see the vision in wanting to do this and, you know, rallying his core user base around like, ah, Twitter is now going to be like our town square for the political announcements and discourse in 2023. But holy moly, what a bad way to start it off. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. It's um, 
You know, it's another embarrassment for for Musk. Um, just a quick throw in. There was a bunch of uh, reporting this week. We're not going to have time to get to it. But uh, by, by many credible reports, um, basically Instagram is coming out with their own version of Twitter. Um, it's set to launch next year. And I got to say, I'm enjoying Blue Sky. I'm enjoying Mastodon. Uh, but just being straight with you, the onboarding process for that, if everyone out there at the Facebook account and Instagram just has to click one button and join uh, basically Instagram mm. versions of Twitter automatically, um, I'm sorry, that's over for the Musk exodus. It just is for all the people that want to part ways. And like you're getting on board with someone who, in my estimation, is not really a better person or a better steward. Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg may be more strategically silent, uh, but I think his philosophy is exactly the same, um, yeah. you know, which is all about himself. So uh, for the good of uh, our country, uh, I'm really, really hoping that Blue Sky gets their stuff together yeah. soon because um, I think they've got six months at the max to figure their stuff out. Cross my fingers. Do you want to talk about some video games? Let's do it. Hey, wow. Sony had their PlayStation showcase this Ooh. week. Uh, and there was actually the, both some exciting announcements, some very exciting announcements, uh, a little bit of uh, snideness, a little bit of back and forth kerfuffling between Sony and Microsoft, which is always fun to see, um, as well as... The confirmation of a rumor that we have talked about on this very show. Do you remember? It's Project Q. The <laughs> I, I think this might have been another one that was just me and Christina, but they're the rumored yeah, I Sony. I don't remember this. I don't know what you're talking about, actually. Rumored Sony handheld console, codename Project Q, is real. Uh, it's an 8-inch HD screen. And just sort of clamped to the side as though it has been sort of like soldered together. Uh, the two halves of a DualSense controller. So it's like the Nintendo Switch screen part, but then with the Sony controller sandwiched around it. Uh, we don't know a terrible large amount about, about it. It's an LCD screen, 1080p, 60fps uh, with Wi-Fi. And it's like the the features of the dual sense that we are familiar with and like such as the trigger the adaptive triggers on the back and the haptic feedback will be present um and yeah a very an interesting move from Sony some would say a late move but as i've been increasingly fond of saying lately the best time to plant a tree was when the nintendo switch came out <laughs> and the second best time to plant a tree is right now and that kind of feels like what Sony is doing, considering that the Steam Deck is now out in the wild. Uh, phones are increasingly more powerful. Why not have their own Sony handheld? Just because they've done kind of a... Mm, yeah, I mean, the Vita for... The PSP, beloved, and uh, I think many would say great as a console. The Vita, obviously, kind of a disappointment for some people who are not named Simone de Rochefort. Um, but yeah, they have a mixed track record with this. Um, but the PlayStation 5 itself is great. So we'll kind of just mm, see. 
Um, before we get into the games, Brie, any any thoughts about Project Q slash do you want me to read anything no, more no, to no. you about I, it from this I, Verge article? I, I just faced like the name of it because I think of it as like the 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 remote like screen for, you know, yeah, for yeah. uh for uh PlayStation. It looks great. I'm definitely gonna buy one. Uh there's so many times I'd love to sit in bed and play these games. Um it it, it looks good. Um just a smart move overall. I think your 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 assessment of that is dead on. Um, I am more interested to talk about Sneak Eater, though. Yes. So among the games that uh, that Sony announced, the one that everyone cares about, the one, the only one that people who are again are not named Samadrosh for care about, Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater remake brianna how the entire internet was on fire with this i think as soon as i got back online after i landed this afternoon all i saw was people going i don't give a crap about this other stuff i don't give a crap about assassin's creed and spider-man anymore i care about metal gear solid 3 are you in this camp yes amazing uh tell me i tell give me the pitch give me the pitch okay so have you ever played the original metal gear uh, solid three, Brianna. Yes. No. Okay. So I'm now, so I, sorry. no, no, no. Now it's all clear to me. And and the thing is, Metal Gear Solid Three is one of these games that was truly breakthrough at the time it came out. But it's one of these games. If you pick it up today and try to play it. It is janky, and mm. the controls are bad, and it is really, really hard to get through. So no no judgment of you. I understand why someone that wasn't um, like alive, well, you know what I mean, like really super active uh, yes. in that time uh, would not have the emotional attachment to this game uh, that I do. Metal Gear Solid 3 is really the first breakthrough, sophisticated, cinematic story um, that that came out. Like Final Fantasy VII, that original, obviously good. Metal Gear Solid just took all of that to a completely new level of cutscenes and action, uh, the political sophistication of everything that's going on. It, it's a really important story about duty and sacrifice and betrayal. Um, Like, it's really, 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 really good. Um, The reason the subtitle is Snake Eater is because of some systems that I think today we would think, oh, that's really quaint, that's cute. Far Cry does that all the time. But it was actually really a breakthrough at the time where if you got injured, you're living in the jungle, you would have to find, like, something to kill uh, and eat to, like, restore your health. Um, so like there are these animations of like snake eating reticulated python, right? <laughs> and going, mmm, tasty. Oh my god. Uh, so all of that is to say this is truly a breakthrough important story. At the same time, I'm nervous as hell about this, Simone, mm. because Kojima, the person that made Metal Gear, is really somebody with a a singular vision, right? Like, he's not just good at what he does. His games are so windy and and overdone and 
you know, his, He's his an plots, auteur. He is, and his plots are all over the map. Yeah. It, it's just, you can't replicate a Kojima, right? So the first thing that made me really nervous about this is um, if you watch the TGS trailer for Metal Gear Solid uh, that took place uh, back in 2004, it starts with, like, one of the main Hollywood people who I believe scored the rock came in and it's like this and like these motion graphics coming down and this killer voiceover about a president of our country and Russia, like arguing with each other and saying like, they're going to have no choice, but to take us to nuclear war and unleash Armageddon. It's really good stuff. Like it's Hollywood level stuff. What is this trailer? It's a bunch of CGI like creatures just slithering through the jungle and a bigger one, a smaller one is eaten by a bigger one and it's eaten by something bigger and it's eaten by something bigger and then it's Snake's face and Snake's face is prettier than it was on the PS2. And, you know, it, it doesn't answer the big questions. Like, is David Hayter involved in this? Who's leading the story team? Is it a straight remake? Um, It's just some prettier graphics. And this is something that would be so easy to screw up uh, that the the tone they're taking just really doesn't reassure me if that makes sense. It does. So according to the Polygon piece I'm looking at, apparently the Konami press release says... The original voice characters, which I am going to assume does mean the voice actors, but I maybe I should double check with another another site. Um, but yeah, no, I totally get the concern because I, Kojima, like, it, so he he is not involved in this, correct? Is because it's Konami and he famously broke from Konami right. um, to go off and do his own uh, strange auteur work elsewhere yeah so the people who are making it now uh, remaking it are not exactly i i think they have a responsibility to the kojima legacy and obviously want to like do to be successful but it's also the same company that he had this huge falling out with um very public i don't know anything about like the people who are specifically working on this and what their relationship with the 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 video game is. Um, but yes, I totally understand the, I, uh, even the name of it, Metal Gear, Solid, Delta. Snake Eater, Delta. Metal Delta Gear, Solid, Delta, Snake Eater. It's the fourth letter. It, it doesn't oh, make any sense. Wait. It, oh. <laughs> Alpha, Beta, Gamma, That's Delta. Funny. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's just like, what are you, I mean, uh, but it is just is... a pre like there are so many so many video games that have just like a vibes only first trailer a reveal trailer so i i i am hopeful for you that we will get the the original game with its original vibes but with smooth and unjanky gameplay so that little baby babies like myself could uh, be threatened by my podcast co-host, my beloved podcast co-host, telling me to play it for the next five years. Yes. That's what I dream of. Uh, 
we can make your dream come true. I've got to ask you um, about uh, Assassin's Creed. How how are you feeling Ooh-hoo. about that? We're feeling great. <laughs> so another of the things uh, that Sony talked about at the showcase today is Assassin's Creed Mirage, which has been, I cannot remember if it's been rumored or actually was confirmed uh, because it's been a minute. Um, but it is going oh, way, way, way back in the Assassin's Creed history. And they said that they are breaking away from what they have been doing for the last couple of years, which is these like increasingly large sprawling RPGs, um, which I think peaked with Odyssey and then Valhalla was like very good, but for me was just like too big to play much more of after I had put so much time into Odyssey. Um, and by that time I was kind of like, Oh God, another, Another freaking huge Assassin's Creed game, uh, uh, but this one they're they they're bringing back like classic mechanics and obviously the things that we know and love about Assassin's Creed, which is sneaking up behind people and assassinating them. So for me, if this if I if I get through an Assassin's Creed press cycle without hearing the words, and this is our biggest map ever created. <laughs> I'll be happy. I'll be fine. It's I don't why I didn't finish Valhalla. Map. It's why I didn't finish Valhalla. It was too big. It's too uh, dang yep. big. Yep. And I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom right now, and that's got a big map. And let me tell you, I will. I'm. Ch- I choose. I choose Zelda. I choose Zelda. If this has a big map, a, I. It's too late. I am already committed to a beautiful lady named Zelda, and yes. I'm playing that this year. Uh, that's my big map game. So um, it is interesting. I, th- I think, obviously, looking back the last five, it, five, is it five years of, um, of video games, we are very much living in the shadow of Breath of the Wild, um, and I think you really saw that in some of the like large games that came out at post Breath of the Wild and uh, Odyssey and Valhalla were certainly like, I think, f- following the legacy of give them just a huge world to p- explore, set them loose in it. And there right. are parts of that that were really, really, really thrilling. Um, Elden Ring, I would also say, is another one of those games. And uh, for me, it was, for me, a, a successful one. We've talked about that already. I won't rehash it. For me, that I just started to rehash it, even though I said I won't. Moving on. No, no, no. I, I think okay. it is time, basically, to move in a different direction and not say, like, all right, what gamers want is to explore the big world. Uh, Nintendo is doing it again. I think that they have earned that with the tools that they have added to Zelda, uh, which I know y'all talked about last week. Um, But it makes sense to me as a move to kind of like step into what was originally beloved about Assassin's Creed before it kind of everyone got again, got sick of that with like the yearly releases. They had to stop doing it for a while. Now it is the time to revisit it. And I am excited. There's my spiel. So this is what I don't, I mean, how can I put this? Uh-oh. Okay, so the the trailer, if you watch it, it's got voiceover by uh, one of my very favorite actresses, uh, Shoro, uh, Shora Agdashalu. 
the woman who plays uh, Christian Avasarla in uh, The Expanse. Uh, she was also on 24 season four as one of the best terrorists of all time, uh, in my view. Uh, so, you know, you've got this really great voiceover from her. And then you've got a bunch of uh, gameplay in a place that just looks like another like medieval era Assassin's Creed game and like leaping and stabbing dudes in the it's neck. It's ninth century Baghdad. We're going right. back to the Middle East. Right. I'm so, a fan. I mean, but I understand I, but, your concern. <laughs> well, it's not a concern. This is my genuine question that I, I'm certainly not as big a, a fan of these games as you are. I mean, I've played them all. I've only finished uh, the one in Greece was that Odyssey. Odyssey. Um, because Perfect I got to kill game. the cult. That was amazing. I was love so Cassandra. satisfying. Oh, my God. But, like, I look at this and it's not showing me any new mechanics that I haven't seen before. It's certainly not showing me a story. Um, and the thing that, like, got a lot of us interested in Assassin's Creed in the first place was, like, trying to just understand the story of, of like, the link between the past and the present, right? Mm. So I, I I just, I see this, and it's, it's, it's nothing I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't excite me, if that makes sense. No, that's totally fair, and I, I understand your feeling. I think that they're always going to be struggling between those two camps of like people like you who started playing because of the overarching story and what the mystery is there. And people like me who truly do not give a crap about it (laughs) (laughs) on a game to game basis. Like my favorite one of my favorite games syndicate is the one that like literally has functionally no lore in it. And it's just about the story of the characters who are in that past in, in Victorian London. Um, so for me, I am like, for me, the pitch of refining the original mechanics, that's enough for me. Um, and, but I, you're, you're absolutely correct. Like there are the, these are the two audiences. Those are the two audiences they have to satisfy. And they're pretty different. That's a, it's a, it's a challenge. So I guess we will see and uh, we'll find out. Oh, I don't mean to yuck your yum. I don't know when. I'm happy. I'm happy you're getting another Assassin's Creed. October 12th is when we'll find out. Thank you. I got the release date. All right. Hey, Brianna, uh, what are you up to this week? Uh, So my board handed me a huge project uh, with a huge budget. Uh, and I don't have much time to get it done. So I am scrambling to uh, basically get a whole bunch of people uh, to uh, to work with me on very short notice. Uh, so I'm worried about that. I am I'm stressed, uh, Simone. So you that's what I'm stressed. doing this week. I hope that your stress is relieved by the correct people in the correct place at the correct time. I... <laughs> I'm recovering from jet lag and trying to find out what my team has been doing while uh, Zelda launched without me. Because someone's mom, uh, who doesn't know video game release dates, and I didn't check, scheduled a family vacation for the literal day that uh, the biggest game of the year came out. So I'm really... But it looks like they've been doing good stuff from what I've seen online. 
Um, I'm just going to be hitting the ground running, probably streaming tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash polygon, our usual time. Um, and uh, making my coworkers tell me how to build stuff good in Tears of the Kingdom because I'm real bad at it. I'm real bad at it. <laughs> and I've not had a lot of time to devote to it. And I need to become better so that I can impress people. Um, that's my life. Playing are, are Zelda. I suffer. Are you worried about getting mono this time? Not this time. Okay. I don't think I could get it again in such quick succession. No, I don't think you can transmit mono by a feat. Okay. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <miss laughs> <you. I> th- <laughs> and that's the show, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. Where can we find you online? You can find Brianna at bluesky.social and at I'm Brianna. Brianna. I'm just Brianna. You're just Brianna. Blue Sky. That's right. Yep. Um, and on Mastodon, any other social links you want to plug there? No, just uh, find me on uh, Blue Sky. That's the beautiful. Best one. You can find me at youtube.com slash polygon where I had a video come out last week that I'll tell you about another week we are about to go into our bonus segment rocket booster where we are talking about a youtube plagiarism scandal (gasps) who can it be hopefully not me um and that is going to be a raucous good time if you want to learn more about how you can hear bonus segments like that and ad free versions of our show go to relay.fm slash membership we'll be back next week Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>